0: Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, go to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, Micah chapter 5. Last week we were looking at um, verses 1 and 2 and really kind of talking about uh, the prophecy of, of course, this is what we would call Christmas, right? Uh, in verse number 2, he says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata." Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Of course, the prophecy about uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. But then we'll come to verse number 3. He says, Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth, and this man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. They shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod and the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land, and when he uh, treadeth within our borders." And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he go through, both treadeth down, and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. Now, verse 2 is is an exciting verse, right? It speaks of the coming of the Messiah. It tells where he's going to be born and that this one uh, who is going to come uh, is the everlasting God. The Bible says he is from everlasting, right? Um, and uh, so verse 2 is a really exciting verse as we're thinking about prophecy. But then uh, we come to verse number 3, and as exciting as verse number 2 is, verse 3 changes scenes drastically, right? Verse number 2 talks about this Messiah that's going to come and prophesies where he's going to be born, and he's going to rule the, the people of Israel, and uh, his, he's, he's from of old, from everlasting. But then notice what he says in verse number 3. Therefore will he, again referring to the ruler of verse number 2, now watch these next three words. Give them up. This ruler that is going to come, Micah says, will give them up. He talked about Israel, or he's going to abandon them. He's going to give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. Think about this. I mean, he's just said in verse number two that Messiah is going to come. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And this is the promised one. And uh, this, is real, this one is he's the everlasting God. God right? This is the one they've been waiting for. This is the one that, uh, when God spoke to Adam and Eve and said that, uh, the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. This is the one. And then when God spoke to Abraham and said, through thee, will all nations be blessed. This is the one that God was speaking of. And then of course he reemphasized that to, uh, to Isaac and Jacob through them, through the nation of Israel, that all nations would be blessed. This is that Messiah that has been prophesied for, for centuries. And, and then Micah says even where he's going to be born and, and, and how it's going to come about and who he is. And then he says, and he's going to give them up. Not quite the anticipation that Israel's expecting, right? Yeah, here he is, and he's going to come, and he's going to be the ruler of Israel, and he's the everlasting God, and by the way, he's going to give them up. Interesting. And he says, until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Now, again, sometimes people think that, that verse number three is speaking about Mary, right? Until when Mary brings forth this child. Of course, we understand that, uh, that Jesus was virgin born, right? And so many times we look at this verse and we say, well, this is uh, till she which travaileth hath brought forth, right? Uh, so this is speaking about Mary giving birth to Jesus, but it's not. This isn't Mary giving birth to Jesus, right? Uh, Micah tells us that this coming Messiah is going to, to give up Israel until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So this, this travail and this giving up and, and what he's going to do, uh, again, if he is coming to deliver them, then why would he give them up? I mean, think about it. He's coming to be the deliverer. He's coming to deliver them. So why, give, why is he going to give them up? Why is he going to abandon them, right? Well, I think we all understand because we, we, we have the whole Bible here. We understand what's happening. The reason why, again, Micah and the, the Jews during this day didn't really understand it, but the reason why God is going to give them up is because he would be rejected by his own people. When Jesus would come as the ruler of Israel, when he would come as the Messiah and offer the kingdom, what did Israel do? They rejected him. They said, we don't want you to be king. We we don't want you ruling and reigning over us, right? Um, and, And even though he's offering the kingdom, they would reject him and then crucify him. They're going to crucify the very one that Micah has prophesied that would come to be this ruler in Israel. He would come to them, offer the kingdom, and they would reject him and crucify him. And so because of their rejection, God says, he's going to give you up. He's going to, he's going to let you go. All right, you, you, you rejected me? All right, here you go. Go ahead. This is what you want? All right, here you go. And so he's, he's going to give them up, right? That's what he says. He would give them up. She would be given up until the time when she, Israel, would be brought forth into her kingdom, or born into the kingdom, right? He says, until the time that she which travaileth, so it's not talking about Mary, this is talking about Israel, about she which travaileth hath brought forth. In other words, when the kingdom is going to be be brought into existence, because they rejected the kingdom. When Jesus offers the kingdom, they rejected it. And so what God says now is that Israel is going to be abandoned. He's going to give them up until the time that it's, they're going to be brought into the kingdom. But something is going to take place between the rejection of Jesus Christ by Israel and the kingdom being brought in. What does Micah say is going to take place between the rejection and Jesus giving them up and the kingdom being brought or born into existence, this kingdom coming into existence? What is is going to take place between those two things? Did anybody see that in the verse? What's going to happen between those two? What's that? Well, the church, that's true, the church is going to be there, but Mike is not talking about the church here. He he's taught, he uses a word here. Between the rejection and the kingdom. We're talking about Israel. What's going to happen? The, the rapture of the saints. No, we're not talking about the church. We're talking about Israel. What's going to happen between the rejection of Jesus Christ by Israel And Israel going into the kingdom. What what does he say is going to happen with Israel here? Look what he says. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Right. So between the time of the rejection and the the time of the kingdom being brought in, guess what Israel is going to go through? Travail she's going to go through pain. She is going to endure pain just as a woman in childbirth goes through pain and just as a woman does not give birth immediately, it takes time and there is pain involved, so it would take time and would be painful for Israel because of the rejection of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, before the next kingdom is going to be entered into the kingdom of Christ, there is going to be this travailing time for her, this painful time for Israel before they would be brought into this kingdom. It's going to be painful. So let's just kind of take a brief synopsis, if we could, of Israel's history a little bit. Think of what would happen around 70 AD, just not long after the birth of Jesus Christ, about 40 years uh, after Jesus is crucified what 's going to happen? Rome is going to enter in and going to destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple what 's going to happen throughout the centuries? Think of it how Israel and the Jews have been hunted throughout the centuries that 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 little that little bitty country that little one that that to, To most people, that little strip of land is just insignificant. It's just, it's so small there. And this group of people have been hunted throughout the centuries. Think of the millions that were murdered during the Holocaust. Over 6 million Jews murdered during the Holocaust. Think of how even though today Israel is recognized by many nations, they are still hated by so many. I mean all of those that are around Israel all of those that are around that little strip if they could just snap their fingers and get rid of Israel they would and they have tried but they can't they can't get rid of her she's still there but not she's not there in peace <laughs> she's there in pain she's in travail For years and for centuries and for centuries, this travail is taking place. Think about how the Antichrist is going to persecute Israel during the tribulation. Look over in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24. Notice in verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Right. So what are they looking for? What are the disciples asking about here? They're asking about the kingdom. They're asking about the kingdom. Now, again, remember, Matthew, the, the gospel of Matthew is being written specifically to what group of people? The Jews. Right? This is all is pertaining to the Jews. Okay, now watch. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now again, sometimes we can we can try to take Matthew chapter 24 and we can try to apply it to the, the rapture of the church and Jesus' return. This has nothing to do with that. This is dealing with Israel, right? He says, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall the day they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Who is this you that he is speaking of in verse number nine? Israel. It's Israel. This is not the church. This is Israel. Israel is going to be hated. They're going to come after. They shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations. Is that not what we see in Israel's history? The nations hate them. They're they're coming after them. They're trying to kill them. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations. And then shall the end come. Now, again, think about it. This is what he's speaking about here. This is not dealing with the church. I'm not talking about the end of the church. This is Israel. Okay? When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand it. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. What's he speaking about? When you go back to Daniel chapter 9, you talk, Daniel speaks about how the Antichrist is going to enter into the temple and basically proclaim himself to be God. This, this um, uh, abomination of desolation that's taking place. This is in the middle of the tribulation period. And watch what happens. Then when this happens... He said then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in the, those days but pray thee that your flight be not in winter neither on the sabbath day for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be what is Jesus saying here? This, this persecution that is going to come against Israel. And again, this is not something new. Israel has been persecuted ever since they have rejected God. When, when, when of course, when God comes and he comes with the prophets and, and he's trying to get them to repent, yes, judgment comes upon them because they, they chose to go into idolatry. But this judgment that is taking place is different Because this is the judgment because they rejected Jesus Christ as the king. They rejected the kingdom. Remember, John came preaching, repent, be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look, can I tell you something? We don't preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not what we preach. We don't preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That that was for a specific time when Jesus was offering the kingdom to the Jews. And that is going to be what will happen when Jesus comes back and puts his feet on the earth and sets up his kingdom. That's the kingdom that is going to take place. We don't preach that message. So remember, there's the kingdom of heaven, but there's also the kingdom of God. What we preach is the gospel of the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom of God. Why? That's anyone that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ becomes part of the kingdom of God. That's that's God's family. The uh, The kingdom of heaven deals with Israel. And this is what he's saying. Because of their rejection of the kingdom, this is what Mike is saying. Because of their rejection, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's coming as your Messiah. He's coming as the ruler. But what's going to happen? They're going to reject him. He's going to be rejected, and so therefore he is going to give them up. He gives them up, and this travail is going to take place. This pain, this sorrow is going to be uh, throughout Israel for centuries because of their rejection of the king. And this is what he's saying here in Matthew, even as we go through this uh, idea of the tribulation period. Again, it's all dealing with Israel. And at the middle point, the Antichrist and Satan are just going to come after Israel. You can go back to the book of Revelation with me. In Revelation chapter... uh, Let me see if I can find it here real quick. In Revelation chapter uh, 12... Revelation chapter 12, notice in verse number 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman, who is this woman? This isn't Mary, it's Israel. The woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there 1,203 score days. If you add up 1,203 score days, guess, guess what you find? That's three and a half years. It's three and a half years, right? And there's war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found in, any more in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, right? In um, verse number 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accused of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and they love not their lives unto death. And, Uh, Verse number 12, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast on the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Again, Satan is going to take everything he has, and he is coming after Israel. That's exactly what Matthew chapter 24 is saying. He says, there, there, you've never seen anything like this tribulation. You've never seen anything like this travail that's going to happen upon Israel. That's why I said, hey, if you're, if you're up on the roof, you're not going to want to go down and get anything. You're just going to want to leave right away. And he says, man, you better pray that it doesn't happen during the wintertime because it's not going to be a good time to be traveling and trying to escape in wintertime. And, and, and heaven forbid, he said, if you have a child or, or if, if the, a woman is pregnant and trying to escape and trying to flee and, and trying to keep a baby quiet so that nobody hears, he said, man, it's going to be horrible. Why? Why is all this happening? Because they rejected Jesus Christ as king. And so Micah says here, and this is what he's saying when we go back here, and he says, Therefore will he give them up, but until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth... So there is going to be a time when it ends. There is going to be a time when this pain is going to end. Just like as, as, at, during childbirth, there is a time when, when the pain ends and that baby is brought into the world. And, and man, I mean, there's, there's nothing more precious than seeing that, that little baby there. And he says that, that pain, that travail is going to be there until she brings forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. He says then, at that time, then... The remnant's going to return. Then the Messiah that had been rejected and had given up Israel would return and stand in Israel. And notice what he says. And feed the nations in the strength of the Lord. Verse number four. And he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. So this is now Jesus Christ. He has come as the king again. But this time he's not coming in Bethlehem. He's not coming as a baby. This time he's coming uh, on on a horse. This time he's coming with the angels and with the the legions behind him uh, of of saints who have gone on before. We're coming with him. And again, we don't don't have to do anything. He's going to do it all. But we're coming with him. And that's when he is going to take the Antichrist and the false prophet. He's going to cast them into the lake of fire. And then he is going to set his feet there on Mount Sinai or excuse me, on Mount Zion, not Sinai, Mount Zion. And he is going to set up his kingdom there in Jerusalem and he's going to rule and reign. This is this kingdom that he's talking about here, right? He shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. We talked about that back in verse, uh, in chapter four, how he says that many nations shall come uh, and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his ways paths. There is coming a time when God, God is telling Israel, yes, there's going to be travail. Yes, there's going to be difficulty, but there will come a time when Jesus Christ will return as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords, and he's going to set up his kingdom on the earth. The Messiah that had been rejected and had given up Israel would return and stand in Israel and feed the nation in the strength of the Lord. Again, think about what we read in uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 24. As we think about uh, Psalms, chapter 22 and 23 and 24. In Psalms, chapter 24, this is what he's speaking of. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Look, when Jesus came in Bethlehem, he didn't come as a king uh, in glory like this. He came as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he's coming one day as a king. He's coming one day, and he's going to set up his, uh, his kingdom there on the earth, and there, would, uh, there he, he would abide now, now forever. Um, we go back to Micah. And look what he says. Um, and they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth so now as Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom, now he says they would abide here now and he would be great unto the ends of the earth. The king will one day reign over the whole earth. And watch this in verse number five. And this man shall be the peace. This man shall be the peace. It's not a government. It's not laws. It's not a, a peace treaties. No, no. It is a man that brings peace. And his name is Jesus. The king is going to reign over the whole earth and he will be the peace. Now, watch what he says, though. This man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod and the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrians when he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our borders. So think about what Micah is saying here. Micah is saying that one day Jesus Christ is going to come. He is going to bring his kingdom again after it's been rejected. He's going to establish it. But notice what he says. He says, The Assyrian shall come into our land when he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men, and they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword. Now, we know that the Assyrian army came and defeated Israel, the northern kingdom. And we know that even Babylon, which is, this is what it's re- referring to and it says uh, uh, Nimrod, the land of Nimrod. That's referring to the Babylonian empire. And so we know that the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to conquer Isra- uh, Judah, right? You still have the two kingdoms, Israel. They're going to be conquered by Assyria. And then uh, Babylon is going to conquer Judah. But during that time, he says that we, the people, right, um, we will conquer. They shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. After Assyria and Babylon captured Israel and Judah, did Israel and Judah raise up and defeat Assyria and Babylon? No, they didn't. After the captivity, when did Israel ever rise up and defeat Assyria and Babylon? They never have. They've never done it. So what's he talking about here? He's not talking about when this when this soon-to-be Assyrian and Babylonian empires are going to come and destroy them, although they were, God was going to use them to destroy them. He's not talking about the, the one of Micah's day because the Jews didn't defeat Assyria. Uh, the, the Jews didn't rule over the Assyrian land or over Bab- the, the, the Babylon area. This is referring to the enemies of the last days. These enemies of the last days. If you look in, in the book of Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 10. In Zechariah chapter 10, notice in verse number 10, he says, I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place uh, shall not be found for them. And he shall pass through the sea with affliction and shall smite the waves in the sea and all the depths of the uh, the deeps of the river shall dry up, and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. He's talking about there's going to come a day when Assyria is going to be destroyed. These kingdoms are going to be destroyed. Look in verse number uh, chapter twelve, in verse number nine, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Again, he's talking about this time at the end when all these nations are going to come against Israel. They're going to come against Jerusalem to destroy them. In chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of them, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. He said there's going to come a time when these nations are all going to come. Again, remember we talked about how how little Israel is and and how if it were possible that Israel would have already been wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, all the enemies that have come uh, with Hitler and all these other ones that have come against Israel, and yet it still stands. Why? Because it's God's chosen people. And God has put his hand of protection about them. And even though there is pain, even though they are in travail, God has promised that there would be that remnant. And this is why when we go back to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 38, in Ezekiel chapter 38, in verse number 5, he talks about Persia and Ethiopia and Libya with him, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all of his bands, the house of Togarma of the north court, and all his bands, and many people with thee. He's talking about all these armies that are going to gather together to come and fight against Israel. And what does God say? God says in Micah, He is going to raise up leaders to face the enemy, just as He did with the judges. Uh, whenever the Philistines or others would come against, God raised up some judges to lead Israel. He's going to raise up judges, some men like that, like David. But Micah makes it very clear, though, that it is not these men. It is not Israel that is going to defeat them. Watch what he says in verse number six, back in Micah. They shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. Now watch. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our borders. God says it's Jesus Christ, he is the one, that ruler that we saw back up in verse number two. He is the one that is going to bring deliverance. That ruler there that is going to defeat their enemies and will rule their lands. Hey, again, it's, it's the same thing. Israel, they're, they're going to be there, right? And they're going to be fighting, but it's going to be God the one fighting for them. God is going to be the one fighting for them. Just as when, when Joshua and the children of Israel walked around the, uh, the, the city of Jericho, and they were there, and they did what God told them to do, but God was the one that did the fighting. You look at all the different battles, and, and basically, uh, some of them, yes, they did have to fight, like they fought in Ai, and of course they lost because they didn't do it God's way. But you look at so many of the battles that they did, they basically just showed up to the battle, and God did the rest. And God's saying, this is what's going to happen Yes, these enemies are going to come, and you're going to show up to the battle. But guess what? He's going to be the one that's going to deliver. He's going to be the one that's going to bring that victory, right? And this is why he says in verse 7, And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people, as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not from man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. So here, here he's, kind of, he's kind of wrapping this up as far as what's going to happen here. Though Israel is not the greatest nation in size, it's not the most populated nation. Again, it's very small, uh, only about 16, 17 million people. Not a, not, a, not a great nation as far as uh, population. I mean, think about, you think about China, over a billion people. You think about India, over a billion people. The continent of Africa, over a billion people, right? I mean, think about all these, these places, millions and billions of people. Israel's got 16 million. 16 million Jews. And they got that, that little strip. I can't remember how wide it is, but it's not very wide. Not very long. Just that that little strip there. And yet, all of these nations that hate Israel so much, they cannot defeat her. And here's what happens. The remnant of Jacob, and he speaks about this both in verse number 7 and verse number 8. The remnant of Jacob, the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not from man nor waiteth for the sons of men. What's he saying? This nation... Israel, the remnant that is going to be there, they're going to be a blessing to those around them. They're going to be a blessing. Just as God promised that, that through Abraham and his, his seed that all nations would be blessed, just like that, that dew and the showers upon the grass, it, it causes uh, the grass to grow, it causes the crops to grow, the fruit to grow. That's how Israel is going to be among many nations in the midst of many people. They're going to be that blessing. And, and this is great, Right? Um, that tarrieth not for man nor waiteth for the sons of men, right? Uh, He says, you know what? It just comes. You can't tell the rain to wait, (laughs) right? You just can't, you can't, Uh, hold on rain. I need you to hold off a little bit. It just comes. You can't tell it, you can't tell it when to come and you can't tell it to hold on, right? The other night we might've said, hey, just hold on a little bit, maybe come a little bit slower, you know, not as, not as hard, you know, maybe a little, you can't do that. He said, that's how, that's how Israel is going to be among the nations. They're just going to be, they're going to be such a blessing to these nations there. But also watch what he says in verse number eight, not only can they be a blessing, but he says, and the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest and as a young lion among the flocks of sheep. Let me ask you a question. What happens when you put a lion in the midst of a flock of sheep? It's not a blessing. You're not going to get a blessing when you put a lion in the midst of a flock of sheep. That's why you had the shepherds out there. They're trying to protect the sheep from the... That's why David killed a lion. He killed a bear. Why? You you put a lion out there with sheep. Guess what's going to happen? Destruction. It's going to bring destruction. And this is what he's saying. As, As rain and dew that showers the grass, Israel can be a blessing. But at the same time, not only will they be a blessing, but... God will also bring judgment as that lion, as that young lion to to nations if they will not follow the Lord, if they will not be obedient to God, who if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Watch what he says in verse 9. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. God says either you will be a blessing to people or you will be the destruction to people. Now again, understand, this is not Israel. Now again, yes, it, it's, it's, it is the, the remnant of Jacob. God is using them, but who is behind it all? It's God. Jesus Christ, the ruler that is coming, he's the one that's behind all of this. He is the one that brings victory. He is the one that brings the blessing. And he's also the one that says, if you don't follow, if you, re- if you reject, if you turn away from me, it will also bring judgment as well. God says, through this one that is going to come, all the enemies of Israel will be cut off. Again, you think about the book of Revelation, you think about how the Antichrist is going to bring all of the, uh, the armies against Jesus Christ, all of those that have, have hated Israel and tried to destroy Israel. And Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to just bring deliverance. He's going to bring judgment upon those who have rejected him and those who have turned against his people but he's going to bring deliverance to Israel. He's going to bring deliverance to those that are are there, that are willing to follow those. And again, think about what he says back in chapter 4, verse number 2. And many nations shall come. It's not just Israel during the tribulation that believes. There will be others that believe as well. There will be others that are listening to the message. There will be others listening and recognizing that, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the deliverer, and many will believe. And as they enter into the millennial kingdom, there are many nations, there are many people who have believed during the tribulation time that will choose to follow Jesus, and they will have that blessing, like that dew, that rain, that blessing of Israel. But there will be those that have rejected and said, no, we want nothing to do with Jesus, and we're going to follow the Antichrist, and we're going to take the mark of the beast, and all this kind of thing. God says they will be cut off. They'll be cut off. And so God is, man, it's, it's, again, it's just really fascinating how in, in one verse he talks about, uh, in verse number two, how this ruler is going to come. And then in verse number three, he's going to give them up. Why? Because they rejected. But even though they rejected, he didn't just totally turn away from them. He said, yes, there's going to be a time when you're going to go through travail. But he said, there's going to be a time when I'm going to come back to you. That remnant is going to be there and I'm going to bring them back into the land. And I am going to come, and I'm going to set up my kingdom. And we know, of course, hey, we know God keeps his promises. We're not looking for the, the tribulation. We're not looking for the, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. We're not looking for those things, right? That's, that's something that Israel's going to go through. That's something that the world is going to go through. But as a Christian, we look for the return of Jesus Christ in the air, for the rapture of the church. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this on, on Sunday when we're, as we're looking in uh, Ephesians. We're talking about the, the dispensations, uh, the mysteries that Paul is talking about. And how, man, the church was a mystery and we're going to be caught up. We're going to be out of here. Why? Because we know that God keeps his promises. Jesus tells us he's coming back for us, right? And just as, uh, uh, as God brought judgment upon Israel because they rejected, they would not accept him as king... Look, we have to understand we have opportunities to either serve the Lord and be obedient to what he wants for us or just live our life the way we want and do nothing for God. But with that choice, right, God gives us freedom of choice. But with every choice that we make, also, there's the responsibility of that choice. Israel was responsible for their choice. They rejected him and God said, all right, you're going to be in travail. That's the that's that's the that's it. You made the choice? Okay. You're going to be responsible for that choice. As Christians, we have a choice to either believe God, trust His word, know that what He says is true, and follow Him and do what He says, or just say, you know, I just don't really believe that God says what He's, really means what He says. Uh, Yeah, I know know the Bible says He's coming back and it could be any time, but I just don't believe that, and so I'm just going to live for myself. You can do that. But understand that we will all be responsible for the choices that we make, just as Israel was responsible for the choices that they make. And one day, man, we can, we can look to the future. We have the whole book here. That we can say, hey, we know that one day Jesus is coming back. We'll be with him for all of eternity. And when that happens, man, we don't have anything to worry about after that. Nothing to worry about. But here's the thing. One thing we have to understand, the return of Jesus Christ is not about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think everything's about us, right? Salvation, oh, that's about me. No, it's not about us. It's about him. His return, it's not about me. It's about him. It's all about him. And that's why even our life ought to be lived all about him. Father, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to realize how important it is to recognize that we do have choices to make and we have a choice whether we will serve you Or we will just live our life the way we want to live it. But Lord, help us to understand that with the choices that we make, we are responsible for those choices. And we are one day going to stand accountable for the choices that we've made. Lord, help us to believe your word. Help us to trust you. Lord, understanding that salvation is not about us, it's about you. Our home in heaven is not about us, it's about you. And Lord, therefore, our lives here on this earth should not be about us, but should be about you. So, Father, help us live for you. Help us to be that testimony and light to others of Jesus Christ. We might show Christ to them, looking, Lord, knowing that one day you're going to come soon and take us to be with you. And we'll be with you for all of eternity. But Lord, while we're here on this earth, may we follow you and we'll be obedient to you and live for you. That others may know Christ through us. Lord, help us in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Um, I'm going to ask Brother.